Uh, yeah, yeah, y'all, and it don't stop. This is your man, El Jamal. You know you are never out of bounds today, or tonight, rather. Uh, we're going to have a good show tonight. We're going to get straight into some uh, current events, word on the street, worldwide and at home. Also, we're going to have some entertainment news, and uh, we're going to probably end it all off tonight with some sports news, football, basketball, also some college football, too. So y'all gear up, and I hope you have a good one. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, y'all. And we are back in the place to be. And word on the street is this Israel and Iran conflict is escalating quickly. Ayatollah Ahmad Katami in Tehran today threatened to attack Israel in response to some more attacks they carried out yesterday. They are also threatening to increase nuclear arms productions. And there's no real end in sight on both sides neither side is backing down right now uh israel carried out a, two of the largest attacks it has since 1973 against iran and this is a miss massive protest within the country so this is a, a powder keg right now waiting to go off let's let's see how this plays out i i'm hoping for the best but like i said before there's no real end in sight on both sides they're they're pretty much they're pretty much about had enough also, in world news, the U.S. has inter intercepted Russian aircraft off the coast of, of, of Alaska this morning that were armed and nuclear capable. Uh, this is the first sighting of Russian aircraft near or near the states in about a year or so. They have also been seen in international bases, though, just kind of flying by, hovering around. I'm not too sure what that's all about. Um... As far as what I know, there hasn't been any threat, uh, no no military or aero, aerospace defense um, experts have said that there was any, you know, any major threat posed or any threats uh, sent out. So, but they, they, they are intercepting them and they are, they have been flying around. So that's, that's pretty weird. In U.S. news, though, there has been a new law, an adoption law passed in Oklahoma, the Senate Bill 1140. And this basically, according to the state governor there, and her name is uh, Mary Fallon, a Republican, she, it's basically a law that protects faith-based uh, agencies in terms of adoption and gives them the right to admit foster care or adoption to parents based on their moral convictions and any other child protective agency uh, as well they are they are protected by the law to go about their policies in terms of screening this has been deemed pretty much discrimination by the American Civil Liberties Union and also the LB uh, GT community in Oklahoma, as well as on the national level, because it will it, for for obvious reasons that, it, you know, for obvious reasons, it kind of and it, in, in a way it does kind of seem that way, because, you know, in, in my opinion, there's no telling, you know, kind of what 
these private organizations or these groups might what what rules or implications they might want to use and if if they're going to discriminate against you know gays and so on and so forth they're definitely going to you know try to discriminate against somebody else so in some way so it doesn't it doesn't seem right to me it seems like a conservative law it seems like some of the Republicans would pass in order to to discriminate and against certain people, in my opinion. Uh, but it did pass in their state house, uh, fifty six to twenty one, and also thirty thirty three to seven in the Senate. So that's what you have to deal with. In other U.S. news, though, uh, scientists at Indiana University are studying Alzheimer's disease through uh, rats, and they've also determined that they've also discovered that they actually have a, a fo- basically a photographic memory uh, replay. And this is very interesting in terms of the develop in terms of the research of Alzheimer's because now they are um, understanding what well basically what type of memory is being affected. Uh, according to one of the main uh, professors uh, studying this uh, was uh, 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 Jonathan Crystal uh, they basically test tested these rats, 13 rats for about a year, and they gave them specific odor tests. And not only was it a, a, a test of smell, they also did a lot of things that changed up the order. And what they figured out was the rats were not only able to find these smells or these odors based on actual smell, but also um, memory of actually knowing, uh, remembering where they went to go find the door and so on and so forth. So what they were able to gather from that was all uh, Alzheimer's does have some effect on spatial memory, but that's not the biggest issue in terms of what's be of uh, terms of what's really uh, affecting a lot of these people. It's more sort of the episodic memory, uh, and that deteriorates rapidly uh, with Alzheimer's and also just old age in general so they're looking to find uh just just ways in which new uh alzheimer's medicines may affect uh your episodic memory replay and they're looking into ways to in to pretty much improve these medicines so it looks on that front they're doing something good in science not something crazy well Let's get into entertainment news. Well, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, had, finally has a home. It didn't take too long, but it was uh, picked up by NBC uh, for a six season, 13 episodes. It was already a universal TV production, so it it pretty much, you know, it's going back home. Uh, there was some regret basically selling it to Fox. Uh NBC executive, uh, NBC executive explained Robert uh, Robert Greenblatt. Uh, they felt as though Fox got in the way too much of the production, and they pretty much like having the show back. They figured they can take it into the direction that they want to. But anyways, it was event, it was canceled by Fox. Basically, they were selling off fifty two billion of their assets, so it just happened to be part of the chopping block. But it's back on the air, and people are happy because they took the Twitter. And we're not having it. In other entertainment news, you got your boy R. Kelly. Um, fans are not happy with him. 
and he's he's uh he's also one of the one of the new faces of the new movement of the 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 times up movement uh there was a rally outside of his show tonight in greensboro north carolina basically due to his past endeavors and you know how you know he has that history with you know girls so uh, he's also on watch in terms of, you know, there's also a Mute Kelly mute, uh, movement. He was also dropped from a concert about a month ago in Chicago, his hometown, basically because of all this drama. So I don't know what's going to come of it. Maybe he goes out like Bill Cosby. Maybe he doesn't. But he's definitely on their radar. And, you know, I, I, I'm not down with what he did to that little girl anyway. So. It's it's coming back on him. I'm not saying he well, he deserves it. He should never pissed on that girl. He's gross. But that's what he has to deal with. Well, that is that is the word on the street. I'm gonna take a quick break, but I'm gonna be right back with some more sporting news. We're gonna have the NFL. We're gonna talk about the Panthers and their new owner. Uh some NBA news, MLB. We're gonna get a little bit deep into that. And then we're gonna also finish off tonight with some college football news. So y'all stay tuned. Have a good one. Oh, you're ready for some football. Well, the Carolina Panthers have pretty much picked their new owner. His name is David Tepper, and he's a hedge fund manager and a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If he's selected by the Panthers, he will go up for a league-wide owner's vote between May 23rd. I'm sorry, May 21st and May 23rd for the league spring meeting. He's pretty much locked because so far he's been the only only owner that the league potential owner that the league has agreed to even vote on. And if you're wondering why the Carolina Panthers are looking for a new owner, that's because their current owner, Jerry Richardson, is under investigation for sexual misconduct with a team employee. She was 20 years old. He's a nasty fucking wink. Moving right along. The pass cut no lineman today. Third rounder, left tackle, Antonio Garcia. He suffered a health condition last year that kept him off off the field, and it also gave him blood clots and for, loss, uh, forced him to lose 90 pounds. He'll pretty much be replaced by Isaiah Wind and or Trent Brown, both players that came in uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Isaiah uh, Wind is a first-round tackle, and there's there's rumors that Trent may actually be moved into the inside. So it looks like the Patriots, they're they're doing something. I don't know exactly what their plan is, but they need. To, I hopefully they they can keep Tom upright because I don't know who these guys are. So <laughs> moving right on to the NBA. <laughs> In the NBA news, uh, Dwayne Casey has been fired today by the Toronto Raptors. Are you surprised? However, he is the uh, the coach of the year. He went 59-23 this year, first seed in the Eastern Conference. We all know he got swept by LeBron. Mm. I can't say that I'm too surprised. It's unfortunate for him. Mm. But, you know, you lose to one team that many times, it's bound to happen. 
Toronto has been in the mix for, you know, the playoff mix for a while now. And I'm pretty sure that they want to cross that glass ceiling. They want to beat LeBron. And ever since the 2011 finals, LeBron has been able to figure out Dwayne Casey's defenses. There's, there's no, there's, that's just all there is to it. And DeRozan and Lowry, they wanted to stand behind him and say that's our coach. But to be honest, if I was the GM there, I'd be thinking of trading one of them too, if not both of them, and just saying let's let's start anew. Because what I saw from that team was a failure to keep up on a competitive scale with the best of the league. And it's not even like that's the best that's the best of the the Cavalier that you probably will see this year yet. And for them to like I said, lay the goose egg four straight games, just you know, I mean and don't get me wrong, some of those games were closer than others, but they lost every game. It was a four game sweep, so he had to go. It's just it's just it's just so awkward that the fact that he was awarded coach of the year. Now not I, I from what I'm hearing, it's not the major coach of the year award. This is the coaches uh, coach of the year award which is going to lead me to my other little side story with this but um and this is why i think a lot of the, this is why i think the, the the handing out of these awards at the end of the season is pretty much dumb I, and i think it's dumb because these awards are for the regular season and when you get deep into the playoffs, you know, these teams are going to lose. And depending on how bad these teams look, it's going to be like, really? He's the coach of the year or this guy's the MVP? Just like when you saw uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, he wins the MVP averaging a triple-double. And, you know, he loses in like the first round like a year like a year ago. And it's just so ugly, you know. It was ugly to see Dwayne Casey get swept like that. But you're hearing, you know, through the grapevine and through, you know, little sources, you you know, you come across your little headlines on the internet. You, I don't read too much deep into him because I never thought that Dwayne Casey was a coach of the year. I didn't even think he was a candidate. But I would see him and say, oh, well, Dwayne Casey, you know, candidate for this. And you're sitting there like, really? Really? You know? <laughs> and I, 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 and my thing is going to be this. If if they're gonna if they're gonna really you know hand these awards out at the end of the year, they need to give. Don't even tell us who's a nominee or whatever. Keep all y'all talking. Keep it away from us. Keep keep any you know keep it all away, and then you pick it as soon as everything's over. Because in my opinion, I would I would I would either pass them out rather than at, at the end of the regular season if they're gonna be for the regular season, or pass them out after everything's been said and done and I get to watch the playoffs and really get a chance to see who's the best. But then that's why you had the finals MVP. But there's no coaching. There's no there's no there's no award for the best coach of the finals. But it wouldn't matter because Dwayne would never get it anyway. And speaking of which, the main the big thing about the coach of the year award that people were bugging about was the fact that Brad Stevens, the coach of the Celtics, was left out. And what's interesting is now, like when I say he was left out, he wasn't even given a vote. And if you look at the Celtics and what they've been able to do, 
55. I think their record was 55 and well, actually maybe 57 and 25 or something like that. But a few, I think a, a couple losses less, a couple a couple wins less than, of course, a couple wins less than the Raptors. They finished second. But a pretty damn good season. Yeah, I think finished, I think they finished with 55 wins. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they finished with 55 wins. But a solid, well, great year. And they're in the Eastern Conference right now, Conference Finals now. And I could see why a lot of people would look at Brad Stevens and say, well, how did he get, you know, how did he, you know, miss that? Like, the, how did the league miss that? Like, that's a that's a good, that's a good record. He's in a good place. And I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. And what I'm going to say is, I personally think, well, before I go into that, there's also this this notion, and it was, I I heard it from Chris Broussard a little bit earlier this week, maybe about a day or two ago, I think yesterday, and he's an analyst on Fox. And one of the main things he was pushing about the Dwayne Casey winning the award aspect was he was saying it was done out of jealousy. Like he was hearing from these sources that there was some jealousy, basically some pettiness and all this, that, and the other. Um, the play devil's advocate, I'm going to say that I believe he was given the Coach of the Year award in foresight to them, you know, seeing what was going to happen against him and LeBron. And they're going off of being the first seed, 55 wins, basically one of the better records in the league, compared, even compared to Golden State and Houston. And also, I think what happens is another thing about these coaches is a lot of them, they've been around for a minute. Dwayne Casey's been around the league for a minute. And, you know, they spend a lot of time, you know, as coordinators, then their assistants, whatever. Sometimes they're head coaches and they find their, their way around different teams. And they have varying degrees of success. Before, Dwayne Casey found himself being the head coach of the Raptors. And they had their struggles. He's been the coach there for a minute. He was, he was um, I'm sorry, he was one of the you know, coaches on the Mavericks squad that beat the, the, the Heat in 2011. And his the defense that he employed against LeBron was, was brilliant. It was part of the reason why they won. So I think when you couple that and you couple what he's done in the league throughout his the rest of his career and just his coaching, coaching tenure, I think it, what, it, what it becomes is a seniority thing. I think... He's the he's the better of the coaches that of the pool of coaches that have been around that have been kicking it and done things and you know that's part of their class you know that's part of basically like you know when they came into the league you know he's been like I said he's been in the league for years you know employing his his tactics you know to varying degrees of success winning and I think other coaches that have been in the league around the same time. Same time as him, or longer than him, see that and they respect that. And I think they look at somebody like Brad Stevens and they go, "Yeah, you're winning, but you've been around for just a few years. 
Can you can you do it five years from now? Can you can you can you can you still remain relevant? Are you gonna still be relevant in the East five years from now? And I think if in, in all reality, if you give him Gordon Hayward and Kyrie and they still have the same record or a couple games better, let's say they finish first, is he still coach of the year? When he still had a number a raw team like that, a number one team like that, I don't know. Because I, you know, if anything, that is the players. That's definitely players. That's definitely he definitely had a squad that could take him there. So, was he deserving of it? Definitely. Do I see why he didn't get it? Yes. But Dwayne Casey looked terrible. And he's gone. And so it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow knowing you had that award and you lost your job right afterward. <sighs> mm. Well, in other NBA news, there was a Kawhi spotting today. He was at the Dodger game. And, well, if it wasn't today, it was yesterday. And this this holds well a lot of people are losing their shit for a lot of different reasons. People are saying, you know, of course there's that narrative, oh he's he's going to LA. He's going to LA. You know, people are mad. But he didn't show up to none of the Spurs games. So he's definitely going I think the man's from LA. I'm not too sure who would spend their offseason in San Antonio. That's not a. I, I don't know. It's a, I've 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 been there on a layover. It ain't it ain't all that. Maybe if you from there, it's cool, but it ain't it ain't popping. Cool. I, I I know damn well Kawhi will find us as soon as the season is over. I know he's in L.A. That's where he's from. I would if I if I played for the Spurs, I'd be back here every off season. I'd be in the Bay every off season. Don't call me. Shoot, we won the finals after Game Six. Don't matter what game, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a flight and I'm going to Oakland National, and I'm not messing with. You. I'm not. I would not kick it in San Antonio. Please, I please. Who would want to do that? There's some real boring NBA. See, I'll be honest. I wouldn't want to stay in Portland in my offseason. You serious? Joe Kim Noel right. Don't nobody want to go to Cleveland for no vacation. You think LeBron? That's why he got a LeBron got a house in in Cali. LeBron got a house in Los Angeles. What you mean? Ain't nobody trying to kick it in no San Antonio. Y'all getting butthurt about the wrong shit. That don't mean nothing. That just means he has a life. Hmm. That's all that means. He ain't trying to be stuck in the house all day. Why would you? That's some beautiful weather out here. Y'all tripping. Finally, in NBA news, your man Clay Thompson is working on a new contract with the Warriors. So all y'all, y'all Warrior haters, y'all people trying to wait, wait till somebody leave, get traded. Y'all trying to get somebody to find a new contract. Not going to happen because he intends for this to be 
a multi-million dollar year, I mean a multi-million dollar deal, multi-year deal, excuse me. Of course it's going to be multi-million dollars, but this is going to be a multi-year deal. And the Warriors want to do it now instead of next year because they're going to save a little bit. That's guaranteed to happen. So, all like I said, all you Warrior haters, mm-mm. It ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. Sorry. I'm gonna have to let that go. All right, y'all. We're gonna get into some uh, MLB news and then we're gonna wrap everything up with some college football. Y'all keep tuned. All right, y'all. So, we back in the zone and we're gonna get into some MLB news here. Matt Harvey took the mound tonight for the Cincinnati Reds, and it was a 6-2 win over the Dodgers. He had four scoreless innings, two strikeouts, but he was able to retire 12 of the 13 batters that he faced. He averaged 93 on his fast fastball, and 95 was his highest pitch clocked in. So he has a pretty good game, and uh, hopefully he has some more from them down the line. As far as other scores go around the league, the A's beat up on the Yankees 10-5. Uh, Dustin Fowler made his first appearance today, the, uh, the center fielder, and he had a hit as long as so, and so did everybody else on the starting lineup, as well as um, including Marcus Simeon, who had two and four RBIs, and Chapman had a home run in the second. This is this snaps a three-game winning streak for the A's, and Kendall Graveman is credited with this win, six in his pitch. Three hits, one on run, four Ks. Now the A's are sitting at 519 and 93, and I'm sorry, 19 and 19. As far as the Yankees go, this is their second loss in a row. This is the first time this has happened to them in a month. Uh, Stanton had one hit at four uh, with four at bats. Gregorius had zero, zero hits. Aaron Judge also had a hit with uh, four RBIs. Sonny Gray had a difficult game. He had five in his pitch, nine hits, five from runs, and three walks. Um, the Giants got blown out today, 11-2 by the Pirates. Andrew Suarez, difficult game, ugly game from him. Five in his pitch, seven hits, five earned runs. Gregor Blanco had two hits and a walk. McCutcheon, this being his first game back in Pittsburgh, he only had a hit. Buster Posey had two hits and an RBI. We're talking about the Pirates now. Jamison Talon left the game early after three. He uh, he was able. Well, he had a hit, but he had five strikeouts and zero earned runs. Sterling Marte started early. He had a home run, two run home run in the bottom of the first. Jordy uh, Jordy Jordy Mercer helps out with a three run triple. Uh, sorry, a triple RBI. And Jose Ozuna also pinch hits and gets a two run home run in the fourth. Uh, the, the last game we're going to talk about here tonight is Houston and the Rangers. It's a close game, one zip for the Rangers. Uh, Cole Hamels has a brilliant game, six in his pitch. He threw for about 100 pitches, had five Ks, but zero on runs. Uh, Drixen Profar had, went one for three, two, uh, I'm sorry, he had a double and an RBI sack fly. No Mayor Mazzara Went two for four with a double as well and a earned in a run. Verlander had six in his pitch, three hits and seven strikeouts. Gaddis for the uh, the Astros went one for three and Gonzalez went zero for four with a stolen base. On to college football. The University of Illinois has been struggling for years. Um, since the year 1995, they've only had five winning seasons. 
Currently, Lovey Smith is the head coach, and recently they've gone three and nine and two and ten, respectively. They've been looking into re- re- improving recruiting uh, this year, in the past couple, in the past few years, and they've been doing this by trying to get a lot of state athletes and regional athletes. Looking more so, actually, uh, specifically in the Missouri, the St. Louis, Missouri area. They recently hired a high school coach from the area, the St. Louis area, by the name of Corey Patterson. He was the tight ends coach at Trinity Catholic. And them doing this is pretty much them setting up a pipeline in the St. Louis area. There's rules uh, around in the NCAA that kind of prohibit that kind of stuff. But they've they've kind of finagled it a little bit. They pretty much hired this guy full time and hired some staff around him, if I'm not mistaken. So they they bypassed some rules here and it's worked out for them a little bit. It's already kind of worked out for them. They've so far, they signed a five star commitment, Isaiah Williams, who's 5'11". He's actually an athlete, but um, of the majority of the schools that were looking for him, which were other uh, high profile D1 schools, but they wanted him to play wide out. The University of Illinois offered him a chance to play quarterback, which he was already playing in high school at Trinity Catholic, no less. And that's what he that's what he decided to go there and do. They've also got a three star recruit at the slot receiver position, Bryce Childress. So it looks like it's starting to work. The main thing here is, are they going to be able to produce? Like I said, they, they've already gotten a five-star recruit. They got a three-star recruit. There's a four-star linebacker recruit by the name of Shimon Harper, who's who also has them on a short list that includes Oklahoma. So if they're able to produce on the field, it's possible. Five four-star recruits, three-star recruits do that for you. Even in a conference like the Big Ten, and you know, as competitive as it is, and that, and that they're going to need a lot of that. And the guy has uh, the 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 coach here, Corey Patterson. He has influence that even goes down to Chicago athletes. So if if he's getting some of the best athletes out there, that's you know that are possible to get, and Illinois is able to produce on the field. The thing about it is, see. The cold part is Lovey Smith is a brother, and I just don't. The one thing I I am fearing is is if they do get wrong, is if you don't see some some SMU type sanctions come out of nowhere because they they found they did some violation and it's too, it's too and and don't get me wrong I don't think they're finagling in any way, I don't see anything from what I read I didn't I didn't see anything illegal, from what I read or any violation of NCAA rules. I think they're they're doing it in the right way. I just think that if there is some success, there's going to be some haters. And it's just too easy for them to hate a system where brothers are seceding and they're getting brothers off the street and to secede. But they got a five-star recruit so far, and it's from the St. Louis area. That's where they were trying to established himself and also reestablished himself in their state they're also getting some chicago talent as well a top chicago's recruit the, the four-star recruit that i mentioned before oh actually i'm sorry the three-star recruit that i mentioned before bryce childress he's from the chicago area and he considers the man uh coy patterson a father figure he's 
live with him. Patterson has provided transportation for these kids. So he's a really important guy for these kids and in that community. So it's good to see them, you know, helping these kids out. And hopefully there is some success for them down the field. I'm looking forward to see what Illinois can do down the road. Good, Big ups to Lovey Smith. Last piece of news for today, we got the top 25 for this this top 25 poll here, post-spring, summertime poll. I'm only going to go through the top 10 here and a couple other outside teams that I really want to talk about. I don't have the time. To me, rankings aren't, aren't that important. I'll get into them after. I'll get into why I feel that way after I get to the top, through the top 10. So let's just go through it here. We'll start with... Uh, the 10, sorry, at 10. Now we had two t- teams here. The source that I went to had two teams tied here Penn State, Auburn, Michigan. It was a three way tie, excuse me. Um, Auburn, you, you know what Auburn's coming off of that loss to UCF that was ugly. They're coming off a, a, a year where they, you know, they did pretty, they did pretty decently in the SEC West, by the way. But again, I see them. I, I still see them finishing third in the SEC. I think Bama's the team to beat. Georgia's on the rise. I don't know what they're doing in the top ten just yet. Yeah, I'm iffy on them. We got Penn State, another outside team, tied at ten. They got tied at ten here. Penn State also another team. They're missing Saquon Barkley to the to the NFL. I'm not too sure what they have right now. I'll I'll be going more deeper into college football a little bit later on. I'll be you know sharing some of that with you guys later. But tonight I'm just going to show you just a just a a simple top ten here. We got Michigan State. I'm sorry, Michigan at number. They got at tr- the true number ten here. Michigan also Michigan. I don't know what the hell they're doing in the top ten. They look ragged to me the last couple of years. A little bit overrated. They're a little bit bloated. They're going to have to win something to me to prove that they belong in the top 10. I don't think they need to be sniffing anywhere near here. But whatever. Michigan State at number 9. I I guess I could see that. Um, Again, it's just one of those teams that I haven't seen too much of yet. I would like to see more of them. We'll see what they do. They they always they're they're highly touted every now and again, but they usually end up losing two or three throughout the year. So or one major game that knocks them out of any type of contention. You got Miami, who's gonna be facing LSU week one, so they have a chance to actually establish themselves immediately as a top team. I don't think LSU gets the same the same rub off if they were to win that game only because LSU is seen to be the the favorite would in my opinion seem to be the favorite anyways I think LSU would win that game again Miami isn't where it was in the 2000s so if LSU wins the game, it's more so that's kind of what LSU is supposed to do. But then again, LSU might be falling off. They did lose to Troy last year. I don't know what we're going to get from them. If Miami does win, that's a good win for them. That's a marquee SEC win. I would put Miami kind of up there, at least sniffing at a top five spot. I'll, if anything, they're at eight now. I'd put them at six if they were able to win that game, or maybe maybe three if they were able to win that game. You know, five, four, four, three. 
Now you got number seven, Oklahoma. Uh, basically the national championship runner-up. I would have put them at number two this year. They're pretty much locked to win their conference, the Big 12. I would have put, like I said, they're number two. They're my number two. I, I don't buy that they're number seven. Not at all. Number six, you got coming in is Washington. Again, another one that I don't agree with. I haven't seen them play this year. They're going to have to earn it. There's a lot of talk about them being the only team that can represent the Pac-12. I don't think so. I like USC to do that. It's just something about what USC can do and the fact that I think that the, the Pac-12, even the Pac-12 North, with California, Oregon, they're going to improve. So I think they can they can take Washington to the limit and even knock them off a peg or two. Number five, we got Wisconsin coming in. Again, I think this is a bloated pick, a pick that they're just throwing out there. No games have been played yet. Wisconsin always has a good running game. They are already talking about it this year. They're already talking about one of their running backs this year and how it needs to be established. Their running game needs to be established in order for them to be successful. Again, overbloated team. We haven't seen them play yet. I'm not buying them at number five. Big Ten goes a little bit deep. Even when Michigan underperforms, they can they can probably take underperforms. They can take even if Michigan underperforms or Michigan State would underperform. If they were to play the uh, Wisconsin this year, one of them played Wisconsin this year. It's a game. It's a toss up for me. I don't see Wisconsin balling out and winning this conference, the Big Ten this year. So a number five ranking is a little bit bloated for me. Here comes Georgia. Georgia was one of the top four teams last year. Again, I see them finishing second in the SEC. Well, if anybody's going to give Alabama a run for their money, it's going to be Georgia. So, again, I got to see how they play. And, again, again, I'm going to get into why I don't mess with top tens in a little bit here. But, I again, I, as George is another team that I got to see play, but I think could get could beat Bama and and Kirby Smart, you know, he was the defensive coordinator for Bama, so he knows secrets. Ohio State comes in at number three. I buy this one. You know, they're gonna win the Big Ten pretty much. They beat Ohio. I mean, I'm sorry, they beat Michigan again. Michigan starts questioning what they're gonna do with Harbaugh. But Ohio State is the team to beat. They're the alpha dog in the Big Ten. I see. I, I'm comfortable with them at number three. Like I said, I'd put Oklahoma at number two. I could keep Georgia at four. So my top four would be Bama, Bama, Georgia. No, Bama, Oklahoma. Ohio State, Georgia. They got Clemson here at number two. I don't agree with Clemson. Clemson again is a team that I, I I have to see on a TV screen to buy it. I don't know. ACC, I don't know if it's the same conference this year. Miami may be something if they beat LSU. But, again, we don't know. And that's what leads – and then, okay, also a couple of other teams that I want to talk about. Talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I believe, was number 15 this year. Notre Dame is always a wild card. Notre Dame could go up or Notre Dame could go down. We don't know what we're going to get out of Chad Kelly this year. 
they're an interesting pick, no matter how you slice it. I don't think they face a, they face the same people every year, pretty much. You know, your Michigans, your USC's. You'll get a chance to see who they are every week. Um, and then you got Oregon. I believe they're number twenty-four. I think they're a dark horse in the Pac-12 North. I don't say they win the Pac-12, period, but I think they can. I like the coach. We recruited very well. We recruited damn well this year. We had one of the top recruiting classes. We have a good coach in Mario Cristobal. Again, it's a new coach. He switched up the system a little bit offensively, but I trust it. It's going to be a more, a little bit run balanced, a little bit more run heavier, but I trust it only because I'm not fully, I'm not fully a believer in Justin Herbert as, as a great pocket passer to the point where I would want him to throw the ball like that. So I think it works for them. Like I said, they recruited well. I think they're a dark horse. If not this year, then next year they're back where they would want to be. But I think this year they're a dark horse for their, their at least their division, Pac-12 division, uh, the Pac-12 North division. I see them finishing second at the worst. I, I maybe give them nine, ten wins. Stay with relative closeness to the top 25. They probably finish in the top 25. They're a good-looking team, on paper at least. And this leads me to the last part. And just, I don't I don't see why people put out top 25s at this time of year. You don't see nobody play. You haven't seen anybody play. You've seen spring ball. You saw the recruiting process. Yeah, these people signed these recruits. We don't really know how good they're going to look. Me, personally, I got to wait three or four weeks before I can really say this team is good. A lot of people play trash opponents the couple first couple weeks of the season. We got to see how they look in the conference. Like, like a team like Clemson, I got to see them go to the ACC for them to, to just say, oh, they're a number two. That They got to earn a number two. They're not a number. They don't. I, I don't know if they could just say they're a number two off top. Yeah, certain teams, Ohio, Ohio State, yeah, because you just kind of know the makeup of the Big Ten. You know that they're just a, a, just a notch above everybody else. Now, everybody else could go either way. Michigan could go, Michigan could be good, not good enough to be Ohio State good, but better than Michigan State or better than Nebraska, but they're not beating Ohio State. Georgia, again, that's a team you got to see play. Because you're pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're going to win the SEC East. But, you know, you don't know if they, you know, if they if they do end up beating Alabama before the conference championship game, well, do they win that game? How do they perform in their non-conference? I'm not too sure. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what their non-conference is. Look at Miami. Miami is in an interesting position. Like I said before, they play at LSU. They have a chance to beat a marquee team off the bat. They have the best chance to really catapult themselves. If I would look out for anybody, it's really them. Penn State, again, you know, they had them tied for a 10, a 10 spot. How? They lost their best rushing running back. You know, like, what, where did they go? In Washington. Really? I can't buy Washington. I think Oregon can upset them. I think 
Washington State could upset them. Stanford could upset them. And they got them ranked down in the 20s. So I could upset. And then I'm saying could. I'm not saying 100% could, you know, it's going to happen. But it's a possibility. It's ridiculous. Wisconsin? No. No. Uh-uh. Right behind Georgia? Nah, they not that. They're not on the same level, in my opinion. You got to see them play. Michigan, same thing. Michigan is not. I don't, I don't, I'm not buying that Michigan's a 10. That's just media hype right there. Media is annoying as hell because I, I personally don't think Michigan is a top 10 team at all. Maybe top, I'd say maybe 20, 21 at this point. But they haven't, who have they played? These teams ain't played nobody. I don't get it. Anyways, guys, we're going to wrap this up for the weekend. I'll be back Monday. During the weekend, I'm going to try to work on this blog, get that ready for you guys at the latest Tuesday. But we'll be back Monday. More current events. You know what time of day. You know what it is. Uh, I'll, I'll also be working on new concepts during the weekend, too. That's why I want to take a little bit of a, of a rest just to make sure I'm re, you know, getting my ideas together and making sure we're putting out some fresh content. So I will be back Monday. Check out for the blog. Keep I'll keep you posted on the blog. Don't forget to look me up, L Jamal, E L J A M A H. Facebook me, or uh, I have email as well, E L uh, J Butler, L J Butler at gmail.com, or butler.j91 at Yahoo. This is Out of Bounds, signing off, y'all. Love you.